0: All right, hello and welcome to RealCom's second webinar in our series titled, Enterprise Systems, Data Integrations and Industry Direction. I'm Chuck Knyseronger, your RealCom host for today's webinar, Investment Management Enterprise Automation. Today's discussion is gonna focus on a wide range of technology innovations, visualizations, improving capital fundraising and more. Uh, But before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience. Thank you to our live attendees. We encourage you to use the Q&A box at the bottom and left of your screen to submit questions or comments. And it is always better when you are an active participant. We love getting your questions and we'll try to handle them as quickly as we can. In the handout section, you will find uh, more detailed bios of all of our panelists, a copy of today's entire slide deck and a slide deck from uh, session one of this series. For the best webinar experience, we do recommend closing out any other internet applications, especially streaming videos. Now, I promised our group that I would not use the May the 4th as a cheap Star Wars pun. That would be simple and uncreative. However, if you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound or video quality or a malfunctioning comms unit in your X-wing fighter, like you might from an Imperial cruiser jamming device, the best thing to do is disconnect and click the webinar link. Again, you can also email Ian at ithompson, that's I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N at jedi.com for help during the event. But don't worry, You won't miss anything since you'll receive a link to the webinar recording later today. And we've included my email on this page in case you think of any questions for our panel and you happen to be watching the playback on your R2D2 unit. Just send them to me and I'll forward them on to all the Rebellion Warriors on this panel and they'll get back with you. This educational webinar is supported by RealCom's outstanding and loyal sponsors deal Cloud's solution helps firms connect their most important assets people process and data as part of a connected firm professionals of all backgrounds gain easy access to the information they need to enhance every business process dealpath is real estate's most trusted management platform empowering smart investment decisions with data-driven insights and digital collaboration and provides innovative industry-leading real estate investment and asset solutions for organizations of all sizes and all asset classes globally. A connected tech platform that optimizes efficiencies, collaboration, and transparencies from investor to lease. And we are grateful for the contributions by these tech partners to our industry, to Realcom, and to helping us educate our viewers in sessions just like these. So, be sure to include these trusted partners when you're doing a vendor evaluation process that involves anything that you might hear today. We'd love to see you uh, include them. Our moderator today is Grant Rickoff. He's principal of his own consulting firm, GNR Consulting. Welcome, Grant.
1: Thanks, Chuck. There's Grant. All right. All right.
2: Hey, everyone. Uh, i think we
1: have a quick poll where we're going to take here just uh nothing nothing scary nothing um you know out of the ordinary just what your what your role is at your current organization
0: yeah these are great grant and the sense of getting a a feel for the live audience and getting a chance because you you may tailor some of the responses or even some of the questions uh coming in based on the results of this poll so everybody gets a chance to look at it so I uh, really do appreciate that all right uh hopefully everybody had uh, time to decide what their position is and we can take a look at the results looks like a a fairly good <laughs> one a lot of other. maybe i maybe we didn't have a, another category that people wanted to fall in so so uh, definitely some executives groups and some IT and uh, data science in our group. So uh, with that, Grant, I'm going to turn it over to you, and I will see
1: you towards the end of the webinar. All right, thanks. All
0: right. Thank
3: yeah,
1: you. it's uh, it's good to see everybody who's involved because one of the things I've learned over my time is that this, in what we're working on and talking about today, cannot just be an IT project anymore. It has to be a full organizational, coordinated effort to. Define the data, uh, identify where the data sprawl is. You know, in several of my companies or places I work, that's that's what you have to do first, right? You have to go in and find all the spreadsheets that have now become your source of truth, and figure out how to pull that back into a database so you can report against it in, a, in an effective and consistent way. And I think now as we glob on to more data, more uh, issues and data grows, it it just it's become exacerbated and and more difficult to get your arms around all that data. So it can't just be IT pushing it. I think we have to partner with the business going forward. It um you uh, data gets out of sync because they're in Excel spreadsheets, like I mentioned, and now the investors are asking for more and more. Right? They've gotten smart and savvy. They have their own analysts that crave the data so that they can slice and dice it in their own way and they're not just taking, you know, what you're giving them as uh, the gospel or truth. Um, But the end goal is the same regardless. We want to efficiently and effectively get consistent and accurate data to our executives, investors and investors in a timely fashion or better yet immediate or uh, giving them a self-service option. So I'm excited to uh, introduce our panelists and, and uh, sponsors today and, and kind of guide us through their experience in this area. I know for, for myself, it's been uh, it's always a difficult journey, but the, the payout at the end, I think is is uh, worth it. Uh, so our first panelist up is Scott Gardinus. He is a managing director and the Chief Technology Officer for Bridge Investment Group. Over his career, Scott's worked globally implementing enterprise solutions to drive innovation, business efficiency, and standardization. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Grant. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. We can hear you.
4: Great. All right. Let me dive in a little bit. Uh, So, so, you know, when I look at this slide, it reminds me of simpler times. Uh, Today, Bridge is roughly 14 different verticals. You know uh, it's been said already on this call by a couple others uh you know the key thing for bridge was how do we transform data you know more from a uh, it to make sure it's a business initiative and uh you know so along our journey what we did internally is we stood up what we call the application and data task force we realized we needed to take our data program from padawan to full jedi uh hopefully you caught that there and uh, and, and we've done that so we're two years into this program and what I wanted to share in this slide was one, just give you an idea of the breadth and depth of bridge. Once again, when we started, we were roughly a 20 billion AUM company. We're, we're just at about 48 billion AUM today. We were five verticals then. I mentioned we're 14 now. And as I'll show you on the next slide, you know, as we transformed our journey, uh, what it resulted into is we set up something we call the bridge data program. And really quickly, I'm gonna go into the pillars because that was really the differentiator. And so, you know, we wanted to make sure that we accounted for these things. So data classification, do we understand where the data is? Do we understand who owns it? We've got a lot of platforms, a lot of users, and we needed to understand where our data assets were. And data governance, you know, as we quickly found out across our verticals, we don't call uh, the same things. We don't, you know, tag those data assets the same way. So we needed to normalize and understand our data uh that resulted in us standing up a data warehouse so that we could start to you know take advantage of those data data assets and and we are underway uh with the data warehouse and then lastly We wanted to make sure that this thing wasn't too wide, that we weren't solving real business problems. So when you see the use case approach there, it was just making sure that we had a methodology and a commitment from the business that we were aligned and that, you know, the bridge data program was going to solve the right problems at the right time for bridge. And I think it's been, you know, a very successful endeavor in that regard. And uh, Grant, with that said, I'll I'll turn it back over to you if there are any questions. I just wanted to provide that that
1: high-level overview of our journey and, and what it looks like. Yeah, great, great, Scott. I I actually love the use of use cases. That is the easiest way to get the business kind of over the hump of what what do, what all what does all this mean? Uh, you know, you threw out data classification and data governance. Those can be nebulous terms, especially to the business. How how did you really get approval to get started? I mean, that's something that there's not necessarily an irr for which the business is used to right there's not an roi per se how how did you get the business engaged
4: yeah yeah no i'm glad i'm glad you said uh, the, there's no roi right off the bat because this really was a commitment another thing i want to qualify is we're still on our journey this is the framework right but we're still very much evolving you know uh, quarter by quarter you know but to your question how do we get the business involved and so early on it started with why i need this report or i need that or why can't i have this and so when i talk about this application and data task force that was the coming together of the business internally that represents you know anywhere from 30 to 40 people at any given meeting across the organization where we're meeting so that was the group that collaborated it resulted in multiple engagements with outside experts and that is where we found the justification for our our budget that we took forth in a business plan and uh very open and transparent about how we fund this initiative and who's involved
1: great yeah i guess i should have said no it, it's not a readily understood or tangible roi there there is roi <laughs> right if you if you please your investors and get the data out timely fashion there you know you can attract more investors you can just not as tangible as as uh, some of the projects we're normally running. Agree. Awesome. Well, I'd like to introduce uh, Pete Skow as well. He is the Executive Director, Head of Data, uh, newly to Affinius Capital. Uh, Pete's career spans over 20 years in IT with 17 in various sectors of real estate. Throughout his career, he's managed multiple enterprise level initiatives in residential multifamily development, investment real estate, commercial mortgage, debt as an asset and private equity welcome pete
3: thanks grant morning everyone
5: did we uh did we leave you grant there you go sorry i I muted off um
1: yeah pete i was wondering if you know you're you're new at at affinius uh you have experience in this area before so how do you approach it fresh? Like, how? what, what are the first things you're going to really look at at Affinius to get this initiative underway?
0: Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so
5: just, uh, you know, so everybody's aware, you know, Affinius is the former USA Real Co group, USA Real Co, that has been rebranded. Um, we partnered with a group out of New York City called uh, Square Mile as well. It's a, a large uh, equity and credit shop. So that uh, combining those two companies formed Affinius and uh you know before i got here they had started on on the data journey as well and kind of going through in a lot of the a lot of the same areas where where um you know scott had mentioned as well <clears throat> and going into and looking at you know uh what are investors looking for right what do they need today what are they what are they asking for more today versus what they did yesterday uh and taking a kind of a, a top down and, and a bottom up approach and i know that probably sounds a little bit nebulous but from a uh from a, from a bottom up we kind of looked at it and said okay you know. What data do we have within our walls today, right? What goes in you know, what are all the data elements that we track? What comes in? What do we get from our property managers? What are we getting from accounting, you know, etc.? And then also kind of a top-down approach, right? So we're we're looking and saying, okay, what's going into our DDQs? What's going into RFPs? What's going into track records? What's going into our core portfolio reports? What are those core data elements? And then you know, looking and kind of normalizing that data set and seeing if there's anywhere, you know, tomato tomato scenarios where we have you know, a track record referring to data element X and one referring to same thing as Y. Um, again, normalizing and standardizing those. And then we're gonna use that to, to kind of help accelerate uh, those response times and getting investors, you know, the information they're looking for, uh, you know, faster and in, in a more transparent way.
1: You know, uh, Pete, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you cause I didn't mention this before, but as, as I was listening to you talk, you know, what, what are some of the key roles on this project that you knew right so on the business side are you going after analysts you're going after managers like who who are you trying to bring together to to move this forward and what type so of role do other organizations need to fill yeah sorry
5: sure yeah yeah and if I had a an, an org chart grant I would just hold it up and say everybody on this org chart so and it, it goes yeah. I mean I think Scott said it very well it's and, and you said as well this isn't a, a technology project right this is a operations efficiency standardization project and data is a core part of it, right? Because that's what manufactures your data its your operations. And so, you know, we're, we're heavily focused with our performance group because that's key, right? That's what investors are, are really looking for. We're focused on asset management to make sure, you know, we've got all of our, our sectors covered. Um, we're really focused on portfolio management, making sure that um, as we do any type of roll-ups, it's getting in the information they need and, and standardizing that. Uh, accounting is a huge part in that um we're partnering with a couple of different uh consulting groups and then we're also reaching out to our you know our active partners uh you know chris barbier uh who's from Yardie, one of the sponsors on this as well uh chris and i have a, have a long history and you know and chris and i've caught up a bunch and we've talked about you know what Yardie's role is in that journey as well um so you know it's uh it's kind of a an all hands on deck initiative and we've listed it as our our, our top priority for 2023 is our you know table as a data project but again getting into those operations documenting what we do today and then figuring out you know how do we how do we build a future state that supports um you know where cre and investment real estate is going today
1: so wide and deep wide and deep
5: <laughs> <laughs> what's that sorry
1: so your your uh, your team is very wide and cross organization and, and deep
5: yeah, wide. exactly. Yeah, it's it's not a mile wide and an inch deep kind of thing. It's it's a you know a mile wide and probably two miles deep, right? So right. Uh, again, all of the above, and then you know some of the partners that we brought in from consulting groups, um, strategically looking at those, right, and and bringing in consultants with a specific focus, right? We we'll, either we need some extra horsepower here, or you know we need to find out or get a different perspective on these things here, not just bringing someone in to say hey, let's just do a large data strategy and come back and kind of, you know, give us the 100,000 foot view. We're bringing in consultants to get below that 50,000 foot view, if you will. We have these tactical items. We need more horsepower on today. We may not need that in six months. We may not need it in nine months. We may not need it in a year, um, but we'll go through that in a very structured and, and measured format versus just kind of casting that, you know, just wide net and hoping we get something right. So we're going to, you know, we're, we're looking to get fish on the line, if
1: you will. <laughs> uh what what do you use to as tools you know along this data classification and and governance like what how do you document it how do you refer to it cuz this stuff is going to come up over and over again right you're going to have to look at it quarterly annually as as the business changes and more data comes in what what do you typically use
5: any sure tools? Sure, sure yeah so from a, from an industry perspective i mean i think we have just about you know every point solution if you will um, in house in some variation right Um, You know, Yardee, RealPage, BTS, Argus, you know, I mean, you know, those tools I think everybody has, right? At least when you get to kind of a a larger size shop. Um, The other pieces of technology, and I'll say more kind of a non-CRE, IRE-focused industry technology and more, you know, your data warehousing solutions, things like that. Uh, And we're a Microsoft shop. We're using a tool called uh, Informatica to store our data definitions. And we're applying some business rules uh in Informatica, looking at you know completion and accuracy where we can. Number one, did we did we get this critical data element? Um, was it missing? And if it's complete, okay, can we check accuracy for that? And so again, if it's a if it's a date format, right? Is it in the correct date format? Um, if it's accounting, is it in the you know two decimal format, those type of things? And then the other thing that the tool will allow us to do, we're we're kind of advancing and maturing our capabilities here. Is that ability to say, hey, for, for maybe this financial number or this metric here, did the value from, you know, week over week or month over month, do we have a large swag in that, right? Was, you know, did it increase by 25 or 50 percent or did it decrease one way? And we're, we're going to look at that to say, hey, if those values change, flag that. Let's have someone look at that and analyst a manager, someone within that group and validate that, hey, that's that's a valid change or, you know, we should we should dig into that. Or you know, was it something that came in an error? So we're doing that to to do our data controls and our governance uh, more strictly. And we've got a, we've got a great team assembled for that. And that is one area where again, you know, we're we're maturing our capabilities through the use of partners. Um, and you know, at some point in time, we'll have all those capabilities we need in house. And and that's a that's a it's a pretty interesting journey. And that's a that's yeah. a little bit of a new one for me personally is is working with that that Informatica platform and in that group.
1: Yeah, I've heard great things about it. Um haven't used it personally, but it's not a I, I'm not paid I'm not a paid sponsor for her.
5: And <laughs> yeah, I am by no means a paid sponsor. uh but it, yeah. it is in our technology stack and, and we are we're all gonna leverage that tool. Great.
1: Thanks, Pete. Certainly. So now before the next introduction, we'd like to play a short message from Yardi. Well, if I wasn't awake before, I am awake now. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd like to introduce Chris Barbier. He's a senior director at Yardi in the investment management area, uh, working with clients, sales, services, and the product team in delivering real estate investment solutions. He has over 27 years of experience working with global software, financial, and professional service businesses.
6: Welcome, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Yeah, the music uh, gets you pumping, right? So <laughs> uh appreciate the time. We we wanted to just talk a few minutes about some of the trends that we're seeing at Yardi, uh, really from that investment management perspective. I, I don't think, you know, many of these would be a surprise to, to many uh, attending today or, or listening to this in the future. But, uh, you know, the first and foremost thing is we look at what's happening with with interest rates. Uh, one of the things that, that we're seeing from a trend perspective with, with our clients is really getting an understanding of transparency um into their loan portfolio, and, and that means a, a number of different things, uh, really understanding what their, you know, debt service is going to be in the future, uh, especially around variable rate loans and, and what's happening within their portfolio from an expense perspective, uh, and then also trying to get some risk management uh, around understanding uh, potential issues with covenants in the future based on, on budgets and forecasts that, that may be happening um, as it relates to, you know, what people are expecting in the markets to come. Uh, so that's one of the areas uh, that, that that we're seeing. Uh, the other, and 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 both Pete and uh, Grant touched on this earlier, is you know what are investors asking for, uh, and we're seeing just increased information, increased levels of detail, increased levels of transparency. That, and I think everyone here would would say that, and you'll hear this as a common theme I think throughout this. Um, Around what are investors asking for? It's more than just returns. Now it's getting down into understanding what's happening at the asset level. Uh, ESG is a big topic. And and what does that mean? And what are investors looking for? How are they responding to your policies in those areas uh, is another thing. Um, And then another trend that we're seeing is the outsourcing of accounting functions within organizations. And this could be uh, from a complete lift out uh, of the accounting teams to, you know, fund administrators or other organizations, augmenting staff uh, within uh, client organizations as well. Um, And what does that mean to the technology who owns the data? Uh, What does that mean to kind of the integration and and the data strategy um, as it relates to The accounting piece but then also all of the other stakeholders uh, kind of around the accounting uh, if organizations decide to outsource some of that within their organization. Uh, So if we go to the next slide from a Yardi perspective how we're helping our clients kind of deal with this from a product suite uh, we've been doing obviously you know property management for more than 40 years now. Uh, But we've also been dealing with investment management for over 20 years. And I think uh, what we heard a little bit earlier with with Pete is the different stakeholders in the business. And it's important to understand who those stakeholders are, what their uh, kind of role is in the processes, what data they need within the organization, um, and what kind of tools that do we as a a vendor and a provider of technology in this space have uh, to address those various needs. So this particular slide really starts with everything at the asset level and kind of goes all the way through up to external investors. And we have a number of products in our, uh, in our investment suite to really t- to help our clients with that transparency, both for internal stakeholders. So folks like portfolio managers, performance uh, team members, which we heard uh, a little bit earlier, uh, those responsible for relationships with investors, both existing and prospective investors, and then ultimately out to our clients, investors themselves. And and these, Uh, Technologies can be sometimes standalone or just integrated uh, one at a time or collectively as an integrated solution, uh, which really helps provide uh, that full transparency from the investor all the way through to what's happening uh, operationally at the asset, uh, at the lease level, at the tenant level, at the resident level, depending upon what type of assets our clients have. Um, So this is just some of the things, you know, Grant, that we're seeing, you know, at Yardi, uh, some of the trends I think we'll hear a little bit about from some of the other providers as well. Uh, when we get to our panel discussion, um, and then just some of the solutions that that we have uh, from a Yardi perspective to you know address some of the internal stakeholders and and some of the some of the things that we're seeing uh, related to those different trends.
1: Great, thanks, Chris. What what are you seeing with clients and their need for more information from from their investors, or for their investors? Yep.
6: Yeah, I would say, you know, the thing that we're seeing is just a deeper understanding of what's happening at the asset level, right? So, you know, who are my tenants? What's the exposure, uh, you know, to different tenant classes? What's happening with rent collections? What's happening, uh, you know, with leasing, uh, occupancy, vacancy, the different asset classes, rents on the multifamily side? Uh, So we're seeing a much deeper dive into the property operational data on a much higher level of frequency than maybe quarterly or annually. Um, in addition to kind of the returns and IRRs and other types of things that they want to see how their how their money is performing, they want a better and deeper understanding of what's driving that at the individual asset levels. That's just one thing that we're seeing.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then what are some of the key characteristics of your client's successful projects? What, what do you kind of see them?
6: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you know what, metrics. Yeah. Yeah, success metrics. I think, you know, you, you mentioned ROI. I think that's that's always tough to measure, right? Like, what does that mean to different organizations? I, I do think what we're seeing with some of our clients, so I think first to get success in a project, you have to have the right business sponsorship. So I, I think we you heard a little bit of that from Pete. And again, that's definitely one area. I think the types of measures that our clients are looking at is where can they gain efficiencies um, and either take on more with the same amount of people or reposition uh, what folks are doing within their roles based on the technology that's in place. So maybe something that a task that took a lot of time uh, for an individual now shifts that individual into more of a kind of analyzing the data as opposed to, you know, manually assembling that data. Um, and those become a little bit more difficult to quantify as it relates to a true ROI. But there's different yeah. metrics that 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 relates to, right, so we could take on more investors or we can process something faster or close our books faster. Uh, we've had clients say we've been able to get more distributions out faster to our investors than we were before, so it's a different type of of metric, uh, but I would say one more geared towards efficiencies in in areas where you know kind of do more with less if if you can so yeah,
1: I think you always uh just just to kind of finalize this, but you always have those type of things like you can be more productive, more efficient. Yep. But if it's not a headcount,
6: <laughs> yep.
1: you know how yep. how do you how do you really quantify that? But yeah, that's that's great.
6: Yeah, and I see the less correct. as reduction of headcount and more of doing more with the headcount that you have, right? Yeah. So
1: Yep. Working smarter, not harder.
6: Exactly. Or with yeah. less people. Right.
1: Exactly. Great. Thanks, Chris. Great. Uh, Thanks, Chris. Before yeah. Before uh Introducing Rob Kane. we'll do a short video from DealPath.
2: To invest millions in today's market, your deal team can't rely on emails, spreadsheets, and physical documents. Let's go from offline to online and make data your competitive advantage with DealPath.
1: As your command center, DealPath streamlines deal flow from pipeline to portfolio management, empowering you to realize operational efficiencies, grow top line, and uncover the most profitable opportunities. Built by real estate experts, chosen by market leaders, the industry's most trusted real estate deal management platform, DealPath. All right. Rob Kane is DealPath's SVP of product, bringing over two decades of experience at the forefront of building solutions for the global real estate industry, including nearly 10 years with CoStar one of today's leading providers of commercial real estate information, marketing, and technology. Welcome, Rob.
7: Thanks, Grant, very much. I think we need some uh, poppier music. We need to hire whoever did the score for your <laughs> video. That was, uh,
1: I'm available for weekend. Definitely, definitely,
7: got me, yeah, definitely got me in the mood for this. but uh, appreciate it. And Grant, thanks very much to you and Chuck for organizing this. It's uh, great to be part of a, a, a panel and uh, some really uh, knowledgeable, uh, Peers on the panel today. So excited to be part of that. Um, so, I'll, you know, I think there's a common theme that we're hearing uh, across sort of the, all the panelists, uh, certainly Scott, Pete and Chris all kind of touch this one way or another today. But, you know, the need for investment managers for accurate and timely information to make good decisions uh, seems to be ubiquitous. Uh, unfortunately in many cases that information is stored across a number of different repositories different data silos Uh, there's uh, point solutions and uh, that only becomes more uh, exaggerated when we're talking about the acquisitions process and that's really where uh, 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 deal path kind of lives think of us as the front end of the investment management decision-making process, we're the front end of the funnel. Uh, and uh, some of our larger customers, and in fact, uh, we serve today about 275 uh, large institutional uh, uh, investors, uh, including uh, Bridge Investment and Blackstone and AEW and Oxford and many, many others. Um, you know, They will, in any given year, sometimes look at, at thousands of deals, of which you know, 80 or 90% they're gonna throw overboard immediately. But they need to be able to get to a, Pretty rapid evaluation and figure figure out which of those deals do they actually want to underwrite. There's also a large number of people in their organizations that have to touch those deals uh, at various points in the evaluation or underwriting or even due diligence process, and that just creates, uh, unfortunately, complex workflows. You know, you're constantly moving the ball from one party to the next. So what we do at Dealpath is to, number one, help. Uh, uh, those investment teams to organize information about the uh, deals that they're interested in to be able to consolidate that information one central place, but just as importantly then to be able to organize the uh, the workflows organize the uh, excuse me, I'm Trying to advance this there. Thank you uh, or organize the range of responsibilities across those teams um, and one way that we do that is we provide an investment command center, and the investment command center basically helps our customers walk through from you know initial deal receipt, deal evaluation, all the way through you know managing that through their pipeline, uh, going through the underwriting and the the valuation process, presentation to investment committee. But then just as importantly, whether they've decided to close on that deal or not, they want to be able to maintain that information in a centralized deal database because that information is valuable down the road for lots of different reasons for historical context to inform underwriting on future deals to uh, use as uh, comparables in other transactions and You know as we think about the position of a platform like DealPath, uh, You know within this ecosystem of solutions and across different constituencies we feel like it's absolutely integral to have uh, tools to organize that part of the investment transaction process if you think about it as investment managers there's really only two ways to achieve risk adjusted returns right there's one is you can optimize the performance of the assets themselves optimize the performance of the portfolio or you can change the mix of assets that are in your portfolio which means you have to make really good decisions about what you're going to acquire or on the back end, what you're going to dispose of. So we see deal management as being absolutely integral to that deal life cycle, overall, not just on the front end through acquisition, but ultimately once that asset has matured and uh, you know it sort of you know it's stabilized and you know it's provided a yield to you and your investors. Ultimately, you know you want to potentially think about bringing some of that capital back in and and uh, pushing it out through disposition. A really good example of how we've been able to help uh, one of our customers uh, in this context is uh, Link Logistics. If you're not familiar with Link, they're one of the largest uh, logistics industrial owners in North America. Uh, they've got uh, about uh, 3,500 properties. Actually, I think it's about thirty seven hundred properties, about five hundred and fifty million square feet, and they're actually now a, a blackstone portfolio company. We serve a lot of the blackstone companies, and uh, you know prior to DealPath uh, Link had uh, a number of different uh, systems internally, a number of different repositories uh, of, of deal and asset data, and uh, you know they were typically trying to underwrite about a hundred deals a year, but they're likely looking at about twenty times that number in any given in any given year. And each of those transactions touches a bunch of different constituencies within the company. Uh, you know, certainly uh, analysts, the investment committee, you know, people specifically focused just on the on the underwriting and valuation uh, finance teams legal out, outside consultants you know whether that's uh, outside uh, you know valuation environmental etc et and it was and it is for most customers a very uh, you know uh, multi-threaded and expensive process and the challenge that they faced really as do a lot of investment management firms is that each of those consistent constituencies has their own silo of information, too many repositories. So by implementing a deal management platform, DealPath, they were able to, first of all, centralize that data in one place so they've got a single source of truth. And then secondarily, and just as as important, I think, is to be able to establish consistent workflows across the organization for how they evaluate, uh, underwrite, You know, present and then make decisions on investment opportunities that come in front of them. Uh, Today, we have about 400 people daily that are uh, from Link Logistics that are using DealPath, and they've been able to uh, not only increase their deal throughput, increase the volume of deals that they're looking at, uh, but also uh, do that with a much, much greater of efficiency level of efficiency than what they had prior. So, it's been a good success story for us. But I don't think, you know, the situation that link was in or their needs are certainly unique in any way this is very common across investment management firms
1: great rob i I appreciate it man that that first slide with the complex workflows that that sent shivers up my spine because you you know that that's what it is and you feel it when you start these start these type of engagements or projects but seeing it is a is is worth a thousand words definitely Well, we, we,
7: um, we drew the picture to be scary grant that was by design yes <laughs>
1: very effective very effective
7: good job marketing <laughs>
1: um rob i have a couple other questions but uh and and we'll probably move that to the open q a uh in for uh timing purposes so i'd like to start with a quick video of our final sponsor for deal cloud
5: you're in the financial services business, you need more than what a traditional CRM can offer. You need a fully integrated, data-rich platform that empowers your dealmakers to work faster, smarter, and stronger. Drive the dealmaking process from strategy and origination to execution with connected relationship data and full-scope intelligence. DealCloud's platform, comprised of relationship management, business development,
6: pipeline management, Marketing, third-party data integration, data management, and more is purpose-built by Capital Markets professionals. Our unparalleled technology
5: enables you to harness the cumulative intellectual capital of your people and processes to drive firm-wide success. With the DealCloud platform, you'll get a single source of truth to help you manage relationships, execute deals, and easily connect with external solutions
3: and third-party data providers. excellent i'd like to introduce frank Spatafora.
1: he's the real estate industry principal at deal cloud in this role he applies his expertise in commercial real estate and product development to connect people and ideas to drive enablement and value creation through the deal cloud connected firm and deal management platform frank brings nearly 20 years of experience delivering digital solutions for commercial real estate welcome frank Hi Grant, pleasure to be with you today and thank you
2: to yourself and Chuck and RealCom for the opportunity. So I'm gonna jump right in. Uh, um, We've heard a recurring theme today about the need for data and efficiency across CRE investment management space. And I'm gonna take us on a uh, taking the discussion on a double click into the technology backbone and infrastructure needed to deliver to those requirements. At DealCloud, our platform is built on the foundation that a well-designed cloud strategy is essential to delivering successful, Effective enterprise data and automation solutions for the modern commercial real estate investment firm. Cloud infrastructure and services can help improve agility, reduce cost, and better leverage new technologies to remain competitive in today's rapidly evolving CRE investment markets. There are four main pillars that are core to a successful cloud strategy and are represented on the current slide that details deal cloud's underlying architecture. Cloud infrastructure to cost-effectively deliver storage and compute power at scale a fully integrated security compliance and governance layer tightly coupled to data and information delivery, a robust API and integrations framework to connect firm-wide systems and data, and a flexible application and services front end to deliver value through tailored business solutions that connect people, process, and data and support our clients' execution. Cloud solution architecture focuses on the ways we can help clients realize the benefits of the cloud to create use case-driven, integrated, and purpose-built solutions for investment management teams. This approach delivers on the connected firm vision by leveraging the distributed model of cloud infrastructure and services. And specific to the delivery of front-end applications for business users, uh, DealCloud provides a full range of solutions covering intelligence services, application services, a robust API and integrations framework, and unified user experiences that meet producers how and where they work. And with this comprehensive coverage, we help firms maximize the value of their cloud investments by creating the bridge to the front office, driving measurable improvements in execution and client delivery, and providing true ROI for the enterprise. In addition to DealCloud's flexible front-end foundation, it's also also worth noting the extended customizations we can provide through our microservices approach. This framework enables us to bolt on discrete DealCloud applications to deliver true end-to-end business process support. One example of this can be seen through our GP and real estate private equity clients that leverage our conflicts application directly integrated into their deal workflow to monitor and manage growing conf- conflict of interest business requirements. When we look across the commercial real estate segment, we found that the cloud technologies developed by Microsoft already define how many professionals work and deliver their services. And recognizing this, we've developed a deep partnership with Microsoft and deep integrations with the Microsoft cloud. This enables DealCloud to simplify system and data integrations, leverage the productivity tools already familiar and heavily relied on by business users, and ultimately provide a force multiplier for the technology investments already in place at most commercial real estate firms. And with this partnership, we're able to package the flexible and configurable infrastructure provided by Microsoft into purpose-built solutions that address the specific challenges CRE investment firms are seeking to address. It also enables us to deliver automations across these productivity tools to drive even greater efficiencies. And one a, a example of that can be seen through our client's ability to automate the inline creation of Teams collaboration channels and structured SharePoint direct uh, directories uh, directly integrated into their deal management processes on deal cloud. Ian, if we could progress to the next slide, please. So in addition to providing the flexible cloud front end, leveraging the Microsoft stack to support end user processes, this next slide speaks to the second core tenant we see as essential to drive effective solutions and automation, which is the seamless integration of a full range of best in class industry data. By delivering this data directly into mission critical business workflows, GeoCloud not only centralizes and streamlines access to the information needed for informed decision making, But we also leverage these data connections to drive automation through a zero data entry philosophy, where these data partner connections are used to auto populate, enrich, and auto update key information, thereby shifting the focus for end users from the majority of time spent on data collection and manual data entry to higher value activities focused on execution and driving returns for investors. And Ian, if we can progress to the last slide, please. This final slide shows the general categories of data that are natively integrated into the DealCloud platform. And under these categories are many of the most widely adopted data providers relied on by commercial real estate investment firms. Coupled with DealCloud's flexible applications layer and our native integrations with the Microsoft productivity stack, this approach to data integration and automation is the final component that allows us to deliver true enterprise-level solutions and provide a single source of truth for deal and investment management teams. So with that it's been a pleasure to introduce the dale cloud platform to the audience and uh, grant i'll turn it back over to you
1: thanks right uh one quick question um oh and on the last slide actually everybody these are these links will be available on the handouts at the at the end of the uh webinar yeah, we have a, we have a download,
2: sure. downloadable collateral here that's provided on this uh, slide
1: really quick or or we can move it over into the q a frank but i was wondering what What do you think is driving the need for enterprise solutions in the automation and in the investment management space? Yeah, it's a great
2: question, Brian. I think there's three main trends that we see across our client base um, and, uh, you know, increased competition. So overall, we're seeing a wider range of investors uh, entering the space. And that's based on the attractive risk adjusted returns historically of commercial real estate and also the diversification benefit that commercial real estate investments provide. Um, but we're also seeing greater allocations in those portfolios so we've seen a steady increase in the allocation to commercial real estate in those investors portfolios the second is that need that we've spoken to at length today with every panelist on the connections to firm-wide data and information for decision making and then coupling that with compliance and and information security requirements and then the third is just the need for an enhanced productivity uh, based on operational cost pressures and some of the increasing talent workforce challenges so Basically, firms need to do more. You know, this is, was a common theme we've heard. They need to do more with the same staff, or even with less, uh, and still be able to drive productivity.
1: Yeah, that was a big moniker. What uh, 10 years ago in the environment, do more with less. That's right. That's right. And still, it still, it still exists.
2: That, you know, the, the productivity pressures have not lapsed.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Well, with that, I'd like to uh, remind the participants—not the participants, but the audience—that. Um, you can submit questions in the chat room and Chuck has put a message out there to you all to encourage questions for a little bit more audience participation, but I'd like to invite all the panelists back on for a general Q and A and panel discussion.
3: All right, Rob, Chris, Frank, Scott,
1: who we missing? Pete. Pete, yeah. all right. Gentlemen, again, thanks for being on. I have some broad questions. Uh, I'll try to direct it and, and share the share the pain of an answer, or share the glory of an answer, depending on what you what you have in store for us. Uh, but I like to go back to Scott and just you know you, you haven't fully implemented, uh, and we'll follow up with Pete as well. But what lessons have you learned to date on this journey? uh resource timing anything you would do differently now i know that five years ago what i was facing as solutions is way different than the landscape today i built a custom data warehouse i probably would look to one of the many prop tech vendors that are out there now trying to do the heavy lift on that um what what have you learned
4: yeah no it's, it's a timely question so a couple of things you know you heard me refer to the application and data task force and that's a two-year-old group inside a Bridge. So a couple thoughts. You know, I, I think in hindsight, when we set out to solve this problem, uh, the, the business had such a technology focus, wh- which is great, right? At least we rallied behind a vision and a concept. But as we sit here two years later, we're actually having a conversation to sunset that group because we want to broaden the conversation to more innovation focused. But, but let me answer your question because it's, it's right on point. So what did we learn? We learned, to no surprise probably to people on this phone call, you can't solve things with a technology mindset. And so we're really broadening the conversation and we want to start to tackle business process, business transformation. And I think that was always understood, it was part of it, but we wanna put that more at the forefront because we feel like you know, we've solved and we've proven, right? Technology is not gonna be the constructor here. It's really getting the right people at the table uh for the conversation and yeah uh, you know is it a lessons learned or a reminder but i think maturity wise that that's where we're at and we're looking forward to those conversations versus just solving for
1: technology so that's where your use cases kind of come in again right where you you want to make sure those are very clearly defined before moving forward with any technology
4: a- absolutely right otherwise you know to use the analogy that the wheels just spin and a lot of effort, a lot of energy and, and no tangible outcomes. And we wanna make sure we don't fall into that and, and that we have the right business partners aligned for us throughout a phase, for example, and that we're accomplishing you know, what, what needs to be
1: done. Great. And then Pete, anything to add to that? I mean, again, you came off of one, starting another, I'm sure there were a ton of yeah. lessons or things, new approaches that you might be taking now than that you learned yeah. prior. I, I, I don't want to sound like like a, a
5: broken record, it just kind of repeat what, what Scott said a few times. But when you say use cases and user stories, I mean, sit down and ask the questions and get the detail. And you know, I mean, I I had a project management background and agile certified everything at one time. And you know, when you write stories of you know, hey, as an asset manager, I need a report that shows me you know X Y Z. I mean, drill down to the details, right? You know, as as an asset manager, I need a report that shows me you know all the individual asset classes all the MSAs, all the city states, you know, do you need the creep definition? Do you need MSCI? You know, what do you need to kind of roll that up for, for the next level and, and tie those together? And, and if you can understand that lineage of how those things flow through the organization, who gets what data and who gets it from where, again, not to not to make that a nebulous concept, but again, it's, if it's not coming from core systems, okay, well, why not? Um, and a little bit of a tangent there, but I would, I would say as well, when you when you turn on a solution or you implement a solution, have a thorough implementation plan and have those use cases mapped to that. Right. Don't just go out and, and have one department look at, you know, a tool and I, you know, I won't name any specific tools, but it just as, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to use this because it helps our, our particular business unit and our particular silo get other groups involved and say, Hey, if we go out and get this tool, how could this also help you as well? How could this get you the information you need faster or easier? um and make those connections you know there's you know i I, i've seen it before in in multiple different organizations someone will come in they'll flip a switch the tool's on it's cloud-based it's easy to use and you've got one or two people maybe three or four or a business unit over there plugging away on it no one else knows what they're doing and they're creating that same exact scenario off over here in a vacuum or doing the same thing um so just be be cognizant of that uh and the other thing i would say uh and i think it was was rob or, or frank may have mentioned this you know. You've got equity p- products and you've got debt products, or at least you know we do, and, and most firms do today. And then those are those are different business models, right? Different needs, and a lot of times you you've got solutions that work across both, and there's sometimes point solutions that that work better for one or the other. And and do the assessment, do the due diligence, and and you know put some force ranking on those things. You know um, sometimes hey it's great if you can find a one size fits all solution, fantastic. But it, you know if if you can't, don't put a you know round peg in a square hole. Save yourself the pain. Do a little more diligence and, and, and timing on those efforts.
1: Yeah, that's a great point because putting the square peg in a round hole causes frustration on the business side. They'd see that their requirements have not been met yeah. and then you you don't get the user buy in, right? So it's, hey,
5: it's fruit,
3: You
1: that effort. user
5: buy in, it's, it's harder to get the second time and it's almost impossible yeah. that they're in time, right?
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Not that I've ever had uh, any we, failed implementation, you know. Right, nobody has. They've all yeah. under budget on time yep exactly (laughs) Uh, we do have a question from the audience this this comes from matt mclaughlin thanks for asking Uh, i'll start with rob on this one with transaction volume down across most asset classes do you think firms should be more focused on data collection now or is the data more valuable when there are consistent transactions
7: both i guess is my answer um the uh yeah i mean i don't think uh there's ever a point in a real estate cycle uh you know high high volume of transactions lots of capital allocation or smaller number of transactions where we can be uh you know anything other than diligent about data collection uh because if we're going to make uh, as investment managers if we're going to make good informed decisions if we're going to uh, properly inform Uh, the way we underwrite these transactions then we got to make sure that we have some rigor in terms of how we collect the data and i thought you know scott and pete both spoke to this and it was right on point um you know having a structure and a degree of governance around how that data is going to come in and be maintained internally is absolutely key um so i don't think when you're in a high transaction volume, uh, you know, economic climate, like perhaps we we're in in 21 in the first half of 2022, it, you know, allows you to be lackadaisical about, uh, you know, that that structure and that rigor in terms of your data collection efforts. So uh, maybe not what the, Matt necessarily wanted to hear on that, but I, I think in reality, uh, it, you know, it's critical that you implement those processes, that you have uh, governance and lots of internal validation about you know the data that you care about uh you got to make sure that the systems that you have internally can help you to enforce that you know that that governance it's not strictly just a policy driven thing it's got to be part, at least partially a technology driven solution for that um but uh yeah I, I i think in both upcycle and downcycle you need to have it
1: yeah all, all data is valuable right pro or con it's got to collect those data points
7: Good point.
1: um Switching back to kind of our our theme, um, we'll start with Pete this time. But you know, we we talked about investors and they're craving additional data. They're wanting to go down into the operation levels, um, knowing the impact of any particular industry segment on their tenants, et cetera. What what additional or what odd things are you seeing? Investors ask for and what's what's kind of become non-negotiable or even what's become normal these days.
5: You know, I don't I don't know if it's if there's anything necessarily odd that I would say they're asking for. Um, Yeah. But uh, it kind of takes me back to uh, consulting days and a a mentor of mine who said, you know, in small business, right, there's cash, there's cash, and then there's cash. And I feel like in in CRE now, it's there's performance, there's performance, and then there's performance. And those layers and being able like you said to not only drill down and and see those things but i I think what investors are looking more for is you know obviously more detail but they want that faster and a lot of times they want that on a self-service plan right They're and when i say they're they're not asking they're telling that that's kind of the case it's more of hey i want to spend less time asking you for information and i want to spend more time processing what you're providing me on a proactive basis and What's out there? And how do I get to that? Uh, you know, and are there portals, you know, and, and it's great. Let's let I me mean, let's face it. We're still in a very relationship based business, right? There's trust. You know, people know each other. They're going to call, you know, your portfolio manager. They're going to call your investor services team. And that's great. But at the same time, they want to be able to look at that information, pull it up when they're meeting, you know, with their internal organization, having that at their hands, when they're getting called and asking, you know, hey, how are we doing with, with this group or how is this sector performing? And, and what's the differentiators between these two groups? You know they don't want to spend a whole lot of time waiting on you to respond to that and i would think, i think everybody would agree here there's a lot of diligence that still happens but the faster you respond to those requests i mean the more you know the more the case you're going to win out those deals when competition's fierce right so and, yeah. and let's be honest with that too you know the the market conditions are not only driving that competition for capital i think frank said that that best. But the SEC and some of the regulations that are, are looking at the industry right now and, you know, talk about banking, that's going to have some long lasting impacts on this on, on this industry. And, you know, the governance and the data portion of that uh, and collecting that and making sure you have the right data at the right time. I mean, that's that's going to be the game changer to your grant. And it's weird yeah. when, you know, you say more regulations and you know, a lot of folks are like, well, you know, we were you know, a little bit of, a, of an industry that operates a little different. And it is, it is driving the need for data. And I mean, it, and it is making kind of the roles and, and the, the role that we play within the organization a little bit elevated and we're getting a, uh, you know, a lot more support and capital to go after, you know, internal projects to build these things. Yeah.
1: Well, you brought up regulation. So maybe we'll shift over to Scott to kind of answer a second, second part of this question of, you know, are you mm-hmm. seeing investors really get involved at the ESG level, you know, proof of net zero carbon initiatives and how are those being prioritized over returns?
4: yeah we do those are active conversations and and, you know i want to add so it's what you just said and and i can't remember if i mentioned this earlier but on top of everything when we started this analysis and this reboot you know uh, bridge went public in the summer of 2021 so in addition to all the things we're talking about you know our model had to change internally you know for some you know regulatory and some some more public facing reporting needs et cetera. And at the same time, right, you know, we're growing organically, inorganically, I'm sure like a lot of other groups. And so, you know, we're managing, you know, onboarding organizations in, we're having to understand and and align those business processes. So Grant, I don't want to get too far from your questions, but the the answer is yes. Uh, But as I sit here and process, you know, all the cycles that we're spending, I thought it was an and conversation uh, as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Chris, I was going to ask you in, in your solutions, like, how are you? Um, what are you seeing and hearing that you're trying to work into your product to help deliver these messages? Like, right? some of these things are not necessarily native to operations, right? In in terms of uh, the local property, but they do need to be reported and they do need to be displayed.
6: Yeah, I mean, we're just constantly partnering with our clients to kind of figure out what's the next level of detail. I mean, you mentioned ESG. I don't know that anybody really has figured out exactly what investors are looking for for that. Right. I mean, I think uh, we have a whole division within Yardi that has and, and houses a lot of that data on behalf of our clients. So we're trying to figure out of that data, which is used for other purposes from an operations perspective, what has to come. Out to the portal and to the investors and working with clients to kind of help define that. So I think we're always trying to look for within our ecosystem, if we have the data and we're collecting it in some other way, shape or form, and that has to get presented, how do we make that more efficient for for our clients? And what does that mean? I would say there's some areas that are obvious as it comes to the kind of the asset operations. And I think there's some areas where I think we're still trying to help work with clients to define what metrics, a lot of ESG related metrics, right? Some of it are qualitative, some of it is quantitative and, and investors I think are asking for a little bit of both um, as we understand it. And, you know, we're trying to figure out how can we help with the technology to, to make that as efficient as possible.
1: Great. Uh, we have another question from the audience from Christopher Boatfield Bell. His question is in a relatively so, slow-moving industry, where da- well, commercial real estate, where data is often only available monthly or even quarterly. How live are the panelists seeking their data to be, or what are their stakeholders expecting? So, in short, right, the investors want real-time access. They want these investor portals. Like, how often are you refreshing the data? How often do you keep it up to date? It's near real time does it come from a data warehouse so scott i'll let you start and then we'll move on to uh to frank to talk about his, his solution scott yeah i always know that when i had a professor that started
4: an answer like this i didn't love it but i'm gonna just do it uh, the answer is it depends and uh you know there's certainly some portfolio deal pipeline type data right uh fortuitous that we have rob and frank on the call uh that when i think about real-time data that internally is always. Uh, uh, a very active conversation, and how do we get closer to real time? And, and you know, I, and I would say other lines of reporting, you know, asset data, financial, you know, th- those will fall into some typical maybe monthly, quarterly windows. uh But yeah, the, the answer is it depends, and it's a good question. And uh uh also depends who's asking for it. So,
1: yeah, and what type of data you're looking at, right? I mean, maybe right. your your acquisition data, you, you update monthly, but your operational, you might want to know those move in, move outs, and when they're happening. Frank, any other thoughts on
2: that? Yeah, I think, you know, when transaction volume's high, obviously uh, the real-time information about your pipeline, um, you know, that's the most relevant. And now with transaction volume down, I think we're seeing that focus on data shifting to origination, to historical data on, you know, your placement partners, your, your broker partners, that where do you source deals and really moving it from just a focus on the active deal and pipeline management. Um to really looking at your best sourcing channels off market opportunities so so the need for data uh it is not lapsed it's certainly just moved i think more to the origination side and the historical side of what deals have you done what deals have performed the best um so we're seeing that data need to sort of shift now with the with the slowdown in transaction volume great um
1: so I wanted to shift a little bit more to solutions. We, we know that, and we've mentioned technology isn't the end all be all, but some of the speed and efficiency does come with integrations, um, automated integrations with technology versus you know the manual spreadsheet, uploads, downloads. So I wanted to ask each of you, I'll start with Rob about any integrations you have in your solutions or, or tools that you're using to simplify them. Yeah,
7: uh, well, I guess, And characterizes, we sort of have two classes of integrations. One are, uh, you know, partners that we work with directly, typically other vendors, other uh, information providers that our clients want to be able to access, you know, within their deal path instance. And so we've, uh, you know, our engineering team has actually sort of built more of a packaged integration with those. But I would say that's a relatively small portion of the overall integrations that uh, and I and certainly this exists uh, in the, with, with Frank or Chris's solution as well where we provide a very open-ended robust uh, customer facing API and many of our customers especially some of our larger customers then use that API to be able to consume data bring it into their own internal data warehouse or they want to be able to push data back uh, you know into their deal path instance from uh, other systems, other solutions, whether that's uh, you know a, a accounting or financial modeling or budgeting, whatever it happens to be. and And I think really uh, you know the the answer is that uh, you know as a solution provider, we have to always be in a position we're evolving both, right? We have to be able to continue to evolve the more sort of plug and play integrations that make it really easy for customers to be able to access. You know contextual data that's going to help them make informed decisions about investments as well as make sure that you know all the content in their deal path system all the information about data i thought frank made a great point about the importance of historical data uh you know even even deals that you don't consummate deals that you don't do become valuable data points that you want to use in the future whether it's to inform an underwriting model or perhaps it's to uh use as a comparable Uh, you know, whether it's on, uh, you know, valuation or leasing comparable, et cetera. So there's a lot of value to the historical data. You just potentially want to be able to consume that in other systems. So you have to make sure that whatever solution partner you pick uh, that, you know, they're not closed loop, that they have, uh, you know, the ability to easily get at that data and then they can, uh, you know, sort of ETL and mold it into, you know, whatever format that they need.
1: Yeah I'm going to, I'm going to shift to Chris. I wanted kind of your take on this and the integrated solution and then how you are uh integrating with any external data sets, third party co things like that that people might want to get in and consume uh market level data.
6: Yeah, so it's a little bit of both for so on the you know similar to you know what Rob said and I'm sure Frank has this as well, like we have an integration platform we have over 350 integration partners that, that bring data into and, and sometimes out of, you know, both ways uh, into the RD platform. Uh, some of those products are unique to different asset classes. Um, some of those products are specific. Some of those products are products that we have solutions to solve for the same thing as well. Um, I think as it relates to outbound data, um, you know, we we've we've got a Microsoft stack as well. We've done some things with SharePoint with a number of our clients. We've done some integrations there. Uh, We're working on some new stuff with uh, Power BI now and the ability for our clients to get data out um, into some Power BI components and and then allow that to bring other data sources in as well. Uh, So I think it really depends on, you know, again, going back to those processes and those use cases, you know, what's the right set of solutions for the client um, and how do we kind of enable the efficiencies as best we can with our technology stack, whether we have an integrated solution or whether we need to partner uh, with with someone to help bring that data in or out. So,
1: yeah, let's shift a little bit. I was going to go to you, Frank, on the same question, but you know, let's shift a little bit to the automation part. And where do you see that impacting CRA investment management going forward?
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, you know, Grant, that's one of the main reasons we have our deep partnership with Microsoft is just given the pervasiveness of the reliance on those productivity tools. Um, so looking at automations, uh, two-way integration with Excel, you know, automatic creations of collaboration t- uh, channels with teams, SharePoint creation at the deal level, right, structured uh, document management systems. Um, we're, we're seeing from our clients a lot of focus on that is that in my productivity and in my process, how do I automate between those touch points? Um, so that's really on the productivity side, on the data side. Uh, Similar to Chris and Rob, we look, we have a a, a number of productized integrations that touch everything from firmographic data, capital markets formation and fund formation, all the way through risk and compliance. And all of those are critical because for any one of our clients, we don't know what uh, components of that data fabric they're gonna wanna take advantage of. So we really look at all the best in class providers and try to make sure that that's turnkey as far as those integrations, where where if they are licensed, we can automate not only the single sourcing of that to their workflow, but as I mentioned uh, uh, on my overview also, start some of the, eliminate some of the data entry. So you can auto populate, you can auto update leveraging
1: those data sources. Great, Um, this is kind of a general question for for you all. I'll I'll figure out who I want to start with after I ask it. where do you see the trend going in data warehousing and data consolidation in the use and ease of reporting so let let me put a little bit of context you know as people are coming off of spreadsheets i think that the flavor was get it into a data warehouse right you want to you want a relational database that you can kind of use all these connect the data etc but a lot of the solutions you go today go with today have their own reporting environment. Um, That could be good, especially for smaller shops, smaller companies, it may be all that they need. Where do you see data warehousing going in the future? Maybe we'll start with with Rob this time.
7: Uh, Well, I mean, I think the first trend is that uh, the number of solutions that provide uh, an easy way to stand up a data warehouse and be able to do uh, what otherwise would have been sometimes very complex joins and complex analyses or build visualizations. The number of solutions that are out there today that can do that have just like exploded in the last three, four years, you know. Uh, um, Yeah, that's what I would would look at it.
1: Yeah, I would look at it completely differently now than I did five years ago, right?
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, before, you know, you pretty much would have been restricted to like, okay, we're gonna have to stand up an SQL database and you have to have, uh, you know full-time dedicated you know data engineers who that's all they're doing is trying to uh, you know figure out how to pull data in the warehouse apply some hygiene to it and then build the visualizations and now with you know lots of productized solutions out there you know certainly you know snowflake and and looker and uh, you know Microsoft and you know has dramatically improved did stack, you know with the, the visualization, Uh, front end and Tableau and others, um, you know, it's become table stakes now, right? It's become easy to get to. It's commonplace. And so uh, I think what that does is it it sort of, you know, commoditizes the process of getting data into the warehouse and has allowed us now to sort of shift our focus to getting more meaningful analyses, more meaningful output and visualizations uh, from that data, which is you know now in expectation among senior leadership for uh, you know all the major investment management firms and I suspect the investors as well as Pete Peter Scott can probably attest to better better than I can
1: yeah I, I was gonna say Pete and Scott I mean it's still part of your solutions right
5: yeah, yeah I mean I don't I don't see that change think to Rob's point it's I mean it, it's only gonna continue to grow right I mean you have to have those things what what you know, I think two comments I would make is is one, what external market factors are out there, right, that you can also in, incorporate, and, and i think that continues to grow, and um, the the ability to go out and purchase data as a commodity, right, that's going to continue to increase. That market boomed, and and, it, and it, it's still good, that's going to continue, and that makes it you know a little bit simpler bringing that information in. Um, you know, I would say you know, kind of touching on what Robs a little bit too. Yeah, it's. I mean, I actually, you know, was able to spin up a, a data warehouse in a cloud environment, you know, not too long ago. And if I can do it, it's really not that hard. Um, but what the hard part is, and kind of what we we keep alluding to on the call is, I can push data to wh- wherever I want, whatever warehouse I need to. But is that accurate data? Is it complete data? And can somebody take that data and make actionable insights, or you know, actionable you know actions off of that? Right? Um, how do you trust that data? And I think that's key. And I think that's been one of those. Um, yes, as as it's been much easier to stand up warehouses and use those. The kind of the the holy grail is how do you control and make sure that what you have is quality, is usable, and again, and trustworthy. Because if it's not trustworthy, that's how you get these little spinoffs, these business silos, these these little one-offs. You know that, that someone in some group is using, and, and that right there can just can can crush progress. So. Yeah. Yeah. Grace. I was, oh yeah. But yeah i was just yeah. going to add to it you
4: know let me, let me expand because you know we recently went through some of this analysis as part of the bridge data program that i referred to it's interesting internally i say bridge data program but the customer's executive is calling it, you know uh, data warehouse data lake lake house right so so it, it, this whole thing is kind of taken on its own vernacular internally but that's okay we always bring it back to the conversation but you know our journey was if you would have asked me beforehand i would have thought that you know solution-wise specifically data warehouse that we would have stood it up we would have managed it That that's already been mentioned there's some really good solutions out there what well, we started to get a hint of i'm going to introduce the people part of the equation i frankly wasn't sure we had the the know-how to to connect with the business on our side. And I didn't want that to be a delay. So we ended up aligning it probably around this call those right there are commercial real estate specific providers in this space. And we chose to go that route because they had already, you know, they understood the, the API environment. They, they they probably knew better than I did at that point, what type of reporting or data people were gonna look for. And then when we started having conversations, and I'm just looking at this call, like with our Yardi uh, business partners, you know, we had a lot of flavors internally about how we categorize that data. So in hindsight, it was the right thing for Bridge to have that alignment with a call letter provider because we needed help guiding those conversations. We didn't know what normal looked like, and it helped us grow up a lot quicker uh, in hindsight than I think we could have on our own.
5: Yeah, great point. Can I add maybe one more point to that too grant before we move on. and, and maybe just kind of a, a, a tip you know for the audience. maybe just a, a little bit of advice unsolicited. I think that's, I think that's what they're all here for. <laughs> yeah as you as you think about how you're going to you know get and report on that data, you know the sooner you can get involved in the in the life cycle uh, of an asset, you know from a technology data perspective, the better. And, and what I mean from that is so let's say since, since we have folks that offer uh, you know deal pipeline solutions on the call, when your acquisition team is looking at that, let's say it's a, I don't know, it's a 10 industrial park like acquisition you're going after, right? Are they going to put 10 individual entries in the deal pipeline tool? Maybe, maybe not. I've most acquisition folks that I've worked with, they're going to do maybe basically one entry. And they're going to get you all the details in there. But when you're looking to move that to a system, and I'll just, you know, use Yardy since they're on the call as well, to the, the next platform in your data lineage that's not always a, a one-to-one mapping that now with the Snare Edge described should probably be a one to many You may have one record in, in your, your pipeline tool. You may have 10 records in Yardi, but the sooner you understand that and you can start planning and, and getting ready for that, the, the better that's going to suit you because when those investors start calling and we're going back to performance, 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 and they want to see those investment and those property level details. If you've got a 10, you know, again, example, 10 industrial park investment, and you've got one record in in your accounting platform to track that to, how are you going to look and see those individual details? I mean, you can, you can see it from a rollup perspective, but if they would say, I want to know every tenant on each one of those buildings, I want to know the address in each one of those buildings. I want to know the MSA and I want to the individual performance. If you don't structure from that to begin with, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights and you're going to have a lot of investors going forward that are just going to say, Hey guys, how come I can call Scott over here and he can get that. And I call Pete and he's, Oh, well, like let me get back to you on that. You you don't want to run into those scenarios, and so get involved in that lineage early and start planning for those events.
1: Yeah, Pete, you brought up a point that I, I definitely wanted to circle back with Frank and Rob on their solutions for with the pipeline is that handoff between the deal makers and the operations and acquisition. However, we're going to put a pin in that. Hopefully, we have time because we do have another question from from the audience. I like I like to uh, get addressed. Um, this one is from Brian Sheffron, and he asks, "With the business users focused on their day-to-day activities, how are data stewards and data owners involved in the ongoing quest for data quality?" So a little bit of what what we uh, kind of talked about at the top of that last question. And then, are there frontline checkpoints, data lifecycle change controls, etc.? So how how are you guys? And this is a little, we'll start with Scott. How are you guys validating the quality of that data? And how are you utilizing these roles
4: yeah no it's a really good question i'm going to go back and talk mm-hmm. about our use case pillar because what we found out early on if we didn't focus on a specific need problem or report right we, we just got to we lost our focus and so the what we do in parallel to the use case is we stand up a very specific uh, uh, you know data committee for that use case and so that ensures that we have the right level theoretically, of, of connectivity to our business partners on that particular problem. Because if we don't, it's really hard, right? If it's the first part of the year, we've got certain parts of the business that are focused on closing the books. If it's you know, at a time where we're doing valuations, it's hard to get those people at the meeting. So when we set a phase or a use case, that is where we look across the business to make sure we're not interfering with other activities and that we're going to have focused time with the right business partners you know, it works with mixed levels of success, but I think we've got the start of a of a good formula for us. Uh, but that that would be my answer is we have to make space uh, for for us as well as the business partners.
1: And Pete, how about how about your take?
5: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's all the above, right? And and I always use like you know event triggers, right? What what triggers something to happen, and and how do you have a checklist around that? You know, it's um you know, let's say a whatever, you know, you, you sell an asset or you, you you know, pay off the debt on an asset, right? What events does that trigger down line? And again, that, that's a use case, right? Going back to exactly what Scott said, if this scenario happens, who does what, when and where? The more you can get into the details and document that, the, the better off you're going to be. Um, there's a user education piece to that as well. And in my experience, I found when you get those folks in the room, and you kind of have like those therapy sessions where, you know, someone says, Hey, when you do this i feel this way and it becomes like hey when when you don't close this loan out or you don't flip the switch to sold in this system and i don't know it and i get data for it and i still think it's active and i have to change my reports you get that empathy going and people start realizing oh when i don't do this thing it affects my colleagues it affects these things down line and someone has to go back and redo those um so i think i think that's a, a good mechanism as well um and then again just on you know i mentioned earlier you know there, there are tools out there that you can use to say hey, did did this data element get captured? Did it get captured in the format that it was supposed to get captured in? If it didn't, who does it go back to? Who who goes back and validates that? So um, it's a a mix of both. And at the end of the day, um, the user education and the diligence is is going to be really what makes you successful at those data controls.
1: So Frank, let's go go back to uh, what I was mentioning before. What what is, the handoff point with you all, or how do you how do you pass that information off to, to yeah and I think
2: it actually relates to this question, right? Because I think it's a balancing act of efficiency and granularity and data and understanding your business users through that process. So you know I think we do need data stewards and we will continue to need that role of data ownership and data stewardship. But if you're thinking about front office teams that are sourcing and originating deals to Pete's point, right? It's all about speed. It's about you don't want to burden those teams with too much required information. But I think you can then use your process points. And again, to Pete's point, right, making sure that you're anchored on your key process points and the owners of the process, because then you can enrich the granularity as you go through your deal process, as you go through acquisition. Because outstream, you're going to need the granular data, but you have to balance that with efficiency. Otherwise, your front office teams, your your originators, um, they're going to be less productive. So I think it's a balancing act. And then what we see our clients that are having the most success with their grant is they're buffering that with data stewardship so that throughout that process, they have eyes on the data. And if there are gaps in critical information, they can make sure those gaps are being filled in. So I think it's a combination. You have to balance that granularity with efficiency and you still have to have the data stewards ensuring that your key information is collected before you can make decisions based on it. All right.
1: Um, Robin, anything to add on that from from your perspective?
7: No, no, I I think uh, I think with Frank was right on point. I mean, you certainly don't want to do anything that creates drag on the originations process. You don't want to burden the acquisitions team with uh, a bunch of undue or unnecessary uh, data collection. But that said, uh, you know, if uh, uh, if you think about what actually gets collected during the originations, you know, during the underwriting process, it's about you know it's 90 percent of ultimately what you're going to need to put into your we already or your you know whatever your ERP platform is so there's a tremendous benefit that can be uh, had if you do apply some governance upfront in that process and make sure that your front-end data collection even during the you know the in the originations phase uh, is consistent with however you plan to ultimately manage that data from and asset of portfolio management standpoint Um, and and there has to be a balance there but but my gosh it'd be a bummer to have to sort of rekey all those data points uh you know after having gone through tremendous time and expense to collect it during the during the evaluation and underwriting process
1: no no. chris uh you're you're the receiver of this data what's you know i
6: I would think that the, the downside i guess of some of these technologies and the the speed at which they can be deployed on the data visualization and collection side is it expose it can expose your data, right, regardless of the system. And I think we, we've hit on a couple of the key points here. Data stewardship, uh, data governance is an important thing at, at the point of entry, but then throughout the lifecycle of, of the asset as well, right? It's an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time thing. Uh, and I think we will re-see our clients be successful with whatever combination of tools that they're using is they've got teams of people that are focused on that. And and the technologies can help in certain respects, right? Is the data filled in, yes or no, but is it the right data, right? And and so there's another piece of that uh, to make sure that that the data and the, the definitions of those data uh, are being used consistently across the, the organization. So you can get the analysis and the types of visualizations and questions and things answered with that data if it's not being applied consistently and there's not processes in place to make sure that's happening ongoing, it doesn't matter what tools you have on the other side, you're, it's just going to expose you know, issues with your data.
1: So we do have a couple more questions. We are slowly, quickly running out of time. Um, so I wanted to get to those. And then we, we have a final question for, for the group about um, AI, everyone's final choice. But we have a, a question first from Howard Bradley. Uh, he's asking, what should be the starting point? sorting the data or asking the question what analysis adds value so i think that might be a little bit more in your your area scott of um the data classification and, and building out those use yeah. cases
4: yeah no i you know i keep saying this it's a really good question because we didn't agree uh we we debated both and, and if this makes sense a couple of us just made a an executive decision to pursue in parallel you know, it was the chicken or the egg, we, we felt like if we couldn't get the business to the table to answer the question, then why are we building anything, right? I mean, frankly, it was kind of breaking one of our own cardinal rules, and I'll try to be succinct in my answer. We embarked on both. We, we we tried to activate the user stories, so if you will, but we also thought we knew enough, some of us, to start, you know, uh, potentially building out the infrastructure. Um, if I understood the question, let me just admit to in the beginning, we, we did both, and I, I think it worked in our case. It may not work for everybody, but. It's the chicken and the egg, right?
3: To
1: kind of <laughs> uh Then shipped in a repeat, Howard had another question. Um, more on how organizations can avoid data paralysis and focus on strategic questions and the technology that provides new insights. Right. Okay.
5: I think if I understand the, the question yeah. correctly, kind of like data you know, paralysis, uh, maybe yeah. it goes back to you kind yeah. of what you mentioned earlier. Yeah
1: kind of getting sorry i I was i just was uh trying to rephrase it maybe maybe i'm misunderstanding but kind of that analysis paralysis of the data and really getting to the solutions and that can provide yeah
5: i mean uh, i always you know that when i mentioned earlier you know top down bottom up or you know take something and reverse engineer it right i mean you know that you're going to need you know your your property type your address city state msa like that's that's easy to find, right? That's that's information, right? But but what goes into your reports, right? What goes into your, your performance metrics? You know, what goes into your track records and, and work backwards, right? And and look at those data elements and say, well, I actually kind of do a prioritization effort. Kind of what Scott said, you know, what what are you really trying to solve for? And if it's you know investor reporting, okay, take your investor reports, deconstruct that. What are the key components? what is, like when I say empirical data, so your your financial, a lot of your tenant stuff, and, and what's narrative, you know, and mm-hmm. if it's, you know, the calculations and things like that, that should be pretty standard. There's there's standards out there that, you know, that the industry, you know, subscribes to, and that any investor is going to know they're going to want those. So find those elements, find out where you've got the gaps, okay, then, you know, that's, I don't want to say one easy to solve, because it's, it's not easy, but at least that's a starting point, right? And I'm, I'm a big fan of, start small and you compound right you get some wins on the board right you get some confidence and I'll, I'll use a stupid sports analogy right it takes you know probably 10 wins to get into the playoffs right so you rack up a couple small wins on the board you know you get your key players you know uh you know your team matures and then you get into the playoffs right and you start taking those those, those bigger chunks down right so um yeah i mean I, I again i can't encourage you to kind of reverse engineer stuff you know as much i mean that's what you're trying to produce. So what does that take? Right. Great. As opposed to I've got 500 data elements and let me figure out what I want to compile those down into. Because you're right. Halfway through that exercise, you'll be like, gosh, is there value in, in all this? You know, what what's really the what moves the needle? Right.
1: Right. All right. We have uh, about three minutes left. But uh, the one question, another question came in from Brian. I, I think it could be its own topic. Uh, I think at Realcom yeah. it'll probably have its own own section, but let will start with Chris. Chris. You know, the bus being in the industry is AI and open AI. AI. How do you see this technology being applied in the enterprise? enterprise? And when does this technology become table stakes?
6: Yeah, so I'll steal a quote, actually, that our multifamily team uses all the time from uh, Frederick Smith from FedEx and say, it's all about automating the routine and humanizing the exceptions, right? And I think that's, as a technology provider, whether it's AI, that's one of those terms that means a lot of things to a lot of people, right? But where can you use technology to start automating some uh, some routines and changing how people interact with that data? That's what we're focused at Yardi across all of our products. How that's gonna impact the investment management components versus operational components, I think a lot of that is still you know being worked out, but the technologies are there, I would say, to, to help assist and facilitate some of those routine processes. <clears throat>
1: Frank, before uh, Chuck comes and cuts us off, what your thoughts on that topic?
2: Uh, I mean, you know, I think we're going to see, I think we're kind of uh, ending the first generation of automation and, and, and we're entering a new phase and everybody talks about the generative AI. I think we'll see more of that on structured data sets. I think that's really the next frontier where, uh, you know, when you have a trusted structured data set, you're going to get some really powerful answers from generative AI.
1: Chuck, are you gonna allow Rob to have a couple comments? Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Join in. thanks.
7: No, I mean, I I thought both Chris and Frank made great points. Um, I think at least the way I think about AI, it's a means to an end. Uh, You know, I think a lot of companies are thinking about it as that's the product, but really it's more of a, you know, it's a tool that can accelerate and and help uh, answer some things that are otherwise uh, difficult impossible or expensive to answer i do think uh, one of the great near-term implications is uh, helping companies to make sense out of unstructured data especially on the front end of the investment management the acquisitions and origination side Uh, there's a ton of very unstructured data that's thrown at these uh, investment teams and so if ai can help to uh, call the most uh, salient uh, data points out of that and help to structure that in the way that they can then start to uh, uh, you know, get some answers. I think that's a immediate benefit that we can get out of it.
0: Great, great. Bill uh, I, I can't, uh, I, I can't <laughs> thank, you, thank you guys enough uh, because it's an excellent topic. And I'm sure, again, for all of you who are planning to go to to reLCOM in June, will, uh, you know, there'll be more topics of this. And you'll hear, you'll hear a little bit more about ChatGPT because uh, I think there's a special session on that one too. And it's actually going to be quite interesting. I want to thank all the panelists really for your valuable contributions to today's session. And really to those who are consuming this, I just want to add one more thing. If you're not looking into these incredible tech partners in your vendor evaluation and selection process, you could be looking for investment management solutions in all Duran places. So if you're familiar, if you're not familiar with Alderon, look it up in Wikipedia. That's all I gotta say about that. So, <laughs> he, all right, I'll leave that alone. Whether you've joined us live or are watching it, this is a recording. Thank you for tuning in. And be sure to register for our master class series. I'm really excited about this one. It's a cyber workshop and in incident response planning. These are masterclasses on how to conduct effective tabletop exercises and improve your company's incident response plan. If you have one, if you don't have one, I highly recommend tuning into this session because it'll show you how they're valuable and how to do these tabletop exercises. And be sure to make your plans for RealCom IvyCon 2023. You would probably see every one of these people there. You'll be able to connect with them in the community, in person, develop relationships, expand your network connections. It's incredibly valuable. We'll be in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace, June 14, 15. There's some pre-con stuff. Check uh, realcom.com for uh, more information that's it for us. I appreciate it. So thank you again to everyone and uh, be safe. And we'll see you in Las Vegas. Good fortune,
6: everyone. Thank you goes. guys. Thank you.